Have you ever been interested in humor and how it's used? Ever wonder about what kind of humor is appropriate when? If this sounds interesting to you, check out the Modest podcast. In this episode of the Modest podcast, we have Junior Connor Beals sitting down with Dr. Melissa Wanter to talk about the constructive uses of humor. The Modest podcast, student-faculty dialogues at Canisius College, is a production of the Department of Communication, offering majors in strategic comm, integrated marketing communications, journalism, and digital media arts. Welcome to the Modest Podcast. My name is Connor Beals, and I'm here with my guest today, Dr. Melissa Wanzer. She is a professor in the Communications Department here at, at Canisius College. And today we are going to be talking about how humor is used as a coping mechanism in our everyday lives and during the COVID-19 pandemic, along with just the general roots of humor. So Dr. Wanzer, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, so my name is Dr. Melissa Wanzer, and I'm a professor in the communication department. Thank you very much for having me today. I've been teaching about 25 years at Canisius and I did start when I was 15 if you're trying to figure out my age. Um, I teach courses that fall under the relational communication area so I teach courses like interpersonal, family, gender, health communication and I also teach research methods and then every few semesters I teach a course called constructive use of humor which I'll share some information about that course later. I also do research on humor. A big portion of my scholarship looks at humor and really the constructive use of humor. How does humor benefit us? How does it help us to cope with difficult situations? How does it help us to be a better teacher? How is humor involved in a variety of different positive outcomes, right, for, for communication and social interaction? And I'm also a mother. I have two daughters and I have a dog named Dottie. My husband is a teacher at Canisius High School, which is one of our uh, number one feeder schools. And other than that, I am uh, excited to be here and to talk to you today about constructive use of humor and how we can use humor to uh, relate to each other. Well, we really are excited to have you here. So we'll start off. So what are your main use, uses of humor? Like what do you, use humor for and just a general? Well, I will say this, the better question might be for me, when do I not use humor? Because it's gonna be easier for me to point out instances where I don't think humor is appropriate. I am someone, I study a communication-based personality trait called humor orientation. And humor orientation refers to the extent to which you use humor you know, in different situations, how often do you use it, and how, what's your self-perceived effectiveness. So I study the trait because I, I am a humor-oriented person. It's part of my personality trait, and that can be linked back to you know, nature and nurture. It's a function of genetics, that I'm very similar to my father, who was definitely a high humor-oriented person. And, and then nurture, just I was brought up with you know, practical jokes, doing practical jokes on each other, making fun of each other in a positive way most of the time. So, I see humor as a valued communication tool. So I use humor in my darkest moments and I use humor in you know, very bright, happy moments as well. So that question is a, is a difficult one because I, I can tell you there are times when I would say I have to tell myself this is not a good time to use humor and I have to talk myself down and say don't make a joke. People aren't going to appreciate it because most of the time I see it as appropriate. So, you know, I, I, again, I, even in very dark, morbid 
depressing situations, I will use humor. So I, I will give an example. I am getting prepared to have a CAT scan. I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer and they want to make sure that the cancer hasn't spread through my whole body. So I'm getting prepared to have a PET, a PET scan and you have radioactive material put in to, so that they can detect any growth, any, any tumors. And the entire time I'm singing this song about I'm radioactive, it's by Robert Palmer. Right. So I'm singing this song and I'm, I'm asking why they haven't used it as their theme song and I'm joking around with the people who are working with me. And that is 100% to help me cope with the stress of that situation. And some of the research you know, on humor and coping, especially in healthcare, shows that healthcare workers relate better to you when you're using humor because you're a little bit easier to talk to. So that would be a really kind of severe or dark or morbid example, but it kind of illustrates that you know, I see almost every situation as an opportunity to use humor. Okay. Well, I'm really sorry to hear about your, your diagnosis, but... I came out on the other end. I'm here. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so, obviously... See, and again, there again, like, I see nothing. I probably joke around too much, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, obviously, you see um, humor as a coping mechanism. Yes. And so, you went into pretty great detail about that. So, why do you think people should choose humor to as a coping mechanism rather than, you know, say just being down about it and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, so. Well, if you think about it, when you're faced with a stressful or difficult situation, whether it's illness or a breakup or something, you have a variety of ways to cope at your disposal, right? And everybody copes differently, right? Some people might resort to, you know, prayer, Right, which obviously can be very helpful, or you know, meditation, talking to a counselor. You know, they're right. Eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream, right? That's another one of my favorites. But you know, I look at humor as something that is part of my personality trait. And for other people, the same thing, right? It's 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 a natural communication tendency. So I think there are productive and unproductive ways of coping, and I obviously that's fleshed out in the research, you know, that there are certainly some ways of coping that are really unhealthy. So, you know, lashing out at people, right? right? That's really unproductive. Any kind of self-harm is really unproductive. You know, maybe bottling it up and not talking to somebody and kind of working through that. I see humor as a possible adaptive coping mechanism, depending on how it's used, right? So depending on the mechanisms, if I use it and it makes me feel better, right, I use it and I don't hurt anyone's feelings or right. upset anyone, I'm using it as a way to, it's a cathartic release. Okay. It's a cathartic release of emotions. It's a cathartic release of, you know, any kind of negative affect that I've built up. And think about this, it's how I describe it, it has intrapersonal, I feel better, right, I feel better, my blood pressure might drop or, you know, my stress goes down physically, um, but it also has interpersonal benefits. Right. So, you know, going back to that example, when I use humor to joke around with healthcare providers or with my students, right, it has interpersonal benefits, right, that people, we relate to each other that way and has, a, you know, a positive outcome, we feel more positively. So humor Humor as a coping mechanism has this kind of intrapersonal benefit where the person feels this cathartic release of, 
pent up emotions or anxiety, but then there's that interpersonal piece that people like to be around me, right? You know, if or around the person who's using humor, right? Whoever that person is that's using humor, I'd rather be around you than maybe someone like you said, who's sullen, who's angry, yeah. who's just mulling over it, you know? So I think that's why humor is often described as an adaptive or a productive coping mechanism. Okay. Yeah, I found that really interesting how you said like, you know, uh, your background around humor started off with like your father and all and you, you just grew up, you know, just being f a funny person and using humor and, you know, the appropriate situations and whatnot. And, you know, throughout my life, I've done the same thing, you know, grew up, my dad, big, big funny guy, you know, and I kind of use the same thing. So it's really interesting that you, uh, that you said that. And you, pro and, and you know, social learning. You mm -hmm. probably watched one or both parents cope at some point right. with humor, making a joke, right? So like the car, the, you know, the car breaks down again. It's like, you know, joking right. about it instead of screaming and yelling and, and ruminating. I mean, it's just a more productive way of, and I'm not saying it handles all stressful situations, and obviously, you know, there are times when other, you know, there are other coping mechanisms, but I think that there is an interpersonal, yeah. you know, it, we, can laugh, we can laugh about it together. Right. And that's an important part. Okay. All right, well, we're going to move along. And so how does humor play a role in communications? Well, you know, humor, again, as a, as a communication behavior, right, uh, we can talk about communicating humor verbally and non-verbally, right? So there's those two different dimensions, right? right. Verbally, the language we use, right? And, and how we, you know, how we use language creatively to communicate humor and then non-verbally, everything else that comes with delivery, you know, eye contact, vocal variety, faces, gestures, all those kind of things. And then we can talk about like humor functionality, okay. right? Like what's its purpose, right? So humor can be used as a, a, a way to manage conflict. I mean, you know, you can think about think about a time when maybe you were in a fight, and again, this is, doesn't mean this applies to all conflict situations, right? But maybe you guys are you're in a fight with a roommate or a friend, and you're getting nowhere, right? You know, you're you're arguing about something that you are never going to agree with on. You're never going to find common ground, right? Maybe at some point you agree to disagree and you make a joke about it, right? So humor right. has been studied in conflict, right, in conflict with couples, in difficult situations where, you know, like I, like I said, there's just no positive, uh, you know, outcome. Humor's been studied as a way of, you know, increasing learning in the classroom, right? So how can college professors use humor strategically to help students retain information? And this is something we've done extensive research on, my, my colleagues and I, because you know, years ago, it was kind of like, use humor, right. it's a panacea, use humor in the classroom, right? And then there was no, there was no spe specificity around that. It was kind of like all humor is good humor, right? Well, we know that's not the case. If you use offensive humor in the classroom, if you tell racist or sexist jokes, that's, that's not good humor, right? Yeah. That's inappropriate and offensive. So our research has really focused on what specific types of humorous messages will result in student learning. 
and that has a lot to do with whether the humor is related to the content, right? So if an instructor tells a story to illustrate a humorous story linked to the concept, but there's part two of that too. If it's related, that's good, but the other thing we think is there and we have to flesh this out is it has to be relatable. Right. So it's got to be related, it's got to be linked very closely to whatever, con but it also has to be relatable where the student understands the humor. Like if it's a joke from, you know, somebody tells like an Eddie Murphy joke from Saturday Night Live when he was Gumby and students have no idea who Gumby, you know, they're like, I have right. no idea you're talking about, right? Or Landshark, right? Mm -hmm. That's really old SNL humor. If I use that and students are like, I don't know who that is, right? <laughs> then that's ineffective. It's not going to work, right? Unless right. the instructor really clarifies the humorous example and says, okay, there was this character on Saturday Night Live. So as far as functionality, you know, it can be used, it's used in advertising all the time, 30% of ads. It's used as a tool to get people's attention. Right. So, you know, marketing, from a marketing and advertising perspective, it's a really effective tool, but it has to be done right. It has to be done well. And that's something that, you know, I, I'm also fascinated with. Like, I, that's not my area of research, but I'm fascinated with why some humor works and why some humor clearly fails, uh, whether it's in the classroom or other contexts. I always found that interesting with the relatable stuff you were talking about. So that, that really clears that up. So your background with humor, you know, you have a very strong background with it and you teach a class here at Canisius called Constructive Uses of Humor. Mm -hmm. So can you go into more detail on what is part of that class's curriculum? Yes, so constructive use of humor is my kind of, if I was going to give birth to a class, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That is the class that I would say I gave birth to because most of what we cover in that class is based on my scholarship. Okay. And, and when I say my scholarship, I mean uh, my scholarship with my colleagues at other schools and my, my research partners. So that class, it has two, there are kind of two goals of the class. The first class is to help students become more competent communicators of humor. Right? So humor competence is, a, is something that we are really interested in right now. We are interested in helping to measure that, right? Like helping to come up with a scale that would measure your competence at delivering humor. And, you know, then understanding kind of how, how, what's behind, how can you help people become more skilled at delivering humor that's effective and appropriate. So if the first part of the class, class is humor competence. And one of the things we do is we learn how to do stand up. Okay. So we spend a big chunk of the course watching stand up, talking about really analyzing it. like breaking it down, what's a, what works, what doesn't work. Then the second part of the class, and then the students have the option of delivering stand-up, so they actually do their stand-up comedy in the theater, in the little, the, the Rain Mayday Theater, or they are, are writers for SNL, and they write a stand-up comedy routine. Okay. Then the second part of the course is really more research-focused, and I think it's, it's interesting. It's a good thing to point this out because I when students take the class sometimes I think that they think we're just gonna watch cartoons and sitcoms and funny movies and laugh and that is part of it but it's very research-based in terms of 
okay, now let's talk about humor in healthcare, right? And let's talk about, we'll talk about Patch Adams, right? And that movie and using humor to relate to patients. We'll talk about humor in the classroom, right? And how to use it effectively as a teacher. And we do talk about humor and coping and humor as um, an adaptive form of coping, a, a positive or productive way to cope. So the course, like I said, two kind of two different aims, how to be a more competent humorous communicator and understanding how humor works in different contexts to increase learning, to increase communication, to cope, some of the like functionality of humor. Okay. I'm a little more interested in the in your stand up that you do in there. So when it happiest comes happiest time of the year. Right? For me. Yes. Okay. So when it comes to stand up, what are because you know how if you watch stand up on like Netflix or something like that, some of it can be pretty pretty yes. dark. So like what are your limits when it comes to that stand up project in your class? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. So we we approach that exercise from the perspective of can you be funny without going blue, right? right. Or be, you know, I mean, that's kind of the term, right? Can you make people laugh without, you know, excessive swearing, right? And okay. excessive sexual content, right, maybe. Um, and we talk about the fact that absolutely, there are plenty of great examples, and we watch them. We watch Jim Gaffigan. He's family friendly. He prides himself on being that way, you can right. bring your children to, to watch him. And I did. And, and, and he's great. You know, Seinfeld is also very family. I mean, these are famous mainstream comedians, you know, Ellen. And then we have countless examples of other comedians who, yeah, you can be funny and you don't have to swear yeah. constantly or have really sexual content. I mean, we talk about these other comedians and why people like them and, and why they're effective, but my, my belief after teaching this class now, I don't know, 10 times, 15 times, um, first of all, um, I, anybody can be funny, right? And again, I'm saying this after watching students who came up to me at the beginning of the class and looked me right in the eye and said, I'm not doing the stand-up. And, you know, I, there's no way I'll do that. I'll never do it and I'm not funny, and everybody knows it. And then fast forward to the end of the course, and they are doing stand-up, and they're hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. And that's one of the things that students come up to me at the end of the class and say, wow, everyone's funny. How did that happen? Because the expectation is I'm making it up at the beginning when I say, listen, everybody can be funny. You know, these are short, right? They're not, you know, 30-minute, you know, routines. They're five to ten minute routines that we work on intensively right to mm -hmm. get to get to that point but everyone's funny right. everyone's funny and we laugh uncontrollably the okay. whole time I mean everyone talks about it because it's the happiest it's the happiest time this semester because okay. you're all you do is come into class and sit and laugh for 50 minutes so like when it comes to you know, you say everyone's funny, but like, what are the stand-up acts that you think are just the funniest? Because I know some people like stories, like how people just tell mm -hmm. bizarre stories. Like Burt Kreischer has his famous Russian mafia story. Yep, and, saw it. Yep. And you know, and then there's like you he's mentioned, the, he's the machine. The machine. He's yeah. The machine. Yep. And you mentioned Jim yep. Gaffigan, mm -hmm. who is just loves food. 
yeah, just he's just pure just punchlines, just yeah. those kind and of his, jokes. And he jokes about it. same. The, the the students do, the students do the same. They bring their personality into it. So we work tirelessly to bring their personality into the right. routine. So they, through this, they keep what's called a funny find. Okay. So they keep a funny find journal starting at the end of the class. I say, all right, write in your funny find. Here's what I want you to write about. So I give them techniques and strategies for writing. And by the time they get to their routine, they have practiced it with in front of their friends and family. They have maybe practiced it in front of me, but they are, they're ready to go. I mean, they, they, right. they're, they're, they're a well-oiled um, machine in that they, they know what they, they know what they're going to talk about. They know how they're going to talk about it. This last time they had, they had like intro songs that they came into, which was unbelievable. Like okay. everybody had an intro song <laughs> and everyone screamed. So it was, it was really, uh, it's a, it's a transformative experience because I don't think many people enter college and say, you know what I'm going to do in four years, you know, one of these times I'm going to do stand up. And I think that's the, the takeaway is they come out of there and say, when they're done, they're like thrilled because they never thought they would do something like that. And they never thought that right. they would be hilarious. And they really genuinely are laughing. I will share this. I bring a laugh track with me. I've never had to use it. <laughs> so I have an actual laugh track ready so that like if nobody's laughing, right. I hit it. Yeah. And it's people, right? It's <laughs> I've never had to use it. Okay. So, so it kind of just lets students crack out of their shells a little bit. Oh, I've seen people do, th and, and other students say at the end, they're like, that person never spoke all semester, right. but they were hilarious. And <laughs> I, you know, it's just, it's a cool experience. It's That's very awesome. different. It's a very different experience that I think than most students have in the classroom. Well, it sounds like a very, very intriguing class. So can you tell us about your studies, about how nurses use humor as a coping mechanism for like work-related stress, because obviously in today's times with the pandemic and everything, nurses are in more stress than probably they have been the past century or so. Yes. So, and you know, you you did studies mm -hmm. about the co uh, how they can use humor as a coping mm -hmm. mechanism. So, can you go in a little more into that? Yes. So, I'll tell, I'll share the backstory about nurses. So, um, nurses are my heroes. They are my heroes. I, my mother is a nurse. My sister-in-law is a nurse. Plenty of family members and friends who are nurses. But for me personally, when my father was diagnosed with cancer, so when I was in college, my senior year, my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer and he was given six weeks to live. He ended up living 18 months, which was because he was part of clinical trials. But my experience with that was that he obviously he used humor the whole time and he used humor to cope with what he was facing but we I felt that we were taken care of by some amazing nurses and I remember vividly being in the room after one of his surgeries and saying to one of the nurses you know how how do you do this job right how do you how do you do this job? This is this is really difficult. And she said, "Honey, you know, you got to have a you got to you got to love it. You have got to have a good sense of humor. And you have to have things to help you get through 
you know, these difficult situations, right? Like, obviously, my father's, you know, in dire, you know, very ill and, and not going to survive. And, you know, having your this family there asking you a lot of questions. And that seemed like a very stressful position for them. Right. So I decided in graduate school that I wanted to research nurses specifically as being someone that had a very, I felt that nurses had an incredibly stressful job. And so I connected with nurses at um, a hospital in West Virginia in Morgantown. And I distributed surveys there. And actually, actually, no, actually this was in Pennsylvania. Now, uh, they, they were nurses in Pennsylvania. So this fast forward a little bit. I distributed surveys to nurses in Pennsylvania and they were willing to, one, not only fill out the surveys, but talk to me extensively about how they used humor to cope and why they used humor to cope. So really, the study shows that nurses who are more humor-oriented report greater coping efficacy. So they feel that their humor is effective, right? right? So when they employ humorous coping communication, they, feel, they, act, they say they feel better, right? So that humor orientation is related to coping efficacy, which then in turn affects their job satisfaction. Because one of the things that's really important is, you know, you don't want to lose good nurses. Right. Right. You, you want these people to uh, stay in, the, in their jobs, and es especially those who are, you know, um, really effective at their jobs. So we found, we created a model, and the model was, again, humor works through coping efficacy to affect job satisfaction. But we also looked at how the nurses coped, like what what did they say and do to cope uh, with the stress of their jobs? And, you know, I think about my job is pales in comparison, the stressors, you know, oh, students not doing well, or, you know, I didn't get, you know, didn't grade these papers in time or something, um, versus having to go in and speak with families about children, you know, children right. being sick or not getting well, or, you know, just they're the ones who are, they're the foot soldiers often right. that have to have the conversations. So they reported a stressful situation they faced, and then they described how they used humor to cope. And the bottom line is that they use humor in every single stressful situation, right, imaginable. So death of a patient, deteriorating health, every possible stressful situation imaginable, they would use it. But they're very clear. They would never joke about a patient in front of a patient. Right. They would never joke about a family member in front of a family member. These are all things that they do with each other or independently. And they, again, they use language. You know, they, um, Mr. Smith had a BM in the PM. You know, a lot of things have <laughs> to do with feces. Right. <laughs> poop. There are a lot of poop jokes in medicine, apparently. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's morbid, right? It's, you know, it's the galley humor that Freud talks about. Um, but it is absolutely essential for them to have a way to, to release, you know, some of the things that they're dealing with. And so one of the quotes that the nurse gave me, if we didn't use humor, we'd cry. And that's the actual title of the paper, because if they didn't have that built in, way to cope with their, their stresses they face daily, 
then they would be crying all the time. Right. Because they do empathize, right, with you. You know, they're mm -hmm. a mother, they're a sister, they're a, they do empathize, but they have to have a way to manage that sadness and and so humor offers a tool and it also you know they do they do this with each other you know like they joke around in the you know in their break room and and, yeah. and things like that so so that's that study and and importantly i i think i think about what's going on right now with the pandemic and these these nurses i hope that there are i hope there's support for them you know because i can't even begin to imagine what it's like to have to take care of of people who are sick with COVID right. and and communicate with the families now even more so, right? Be the person who calls the family and things like that. So right. very, very painful. Okay. So when it comes to just, I don't want to say normal people, but like, like you and me, how during the pandemic, obviously lockdown was a huge thing that, you know, really tested our mental health and everything around those lines. So how did humor help you just cope with the pandemic at the beginning, towards the middle, and even like recently with everything going on uh, with the vaccinations and everything? How did humor help you get through everything and how is it keeping you moving from here? Well, I'm going to answer that in a strange way, but I am a quirky person as you're as you're learning so for me I compare everything to coping with cancer right so right. I I when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2016 I went through treatment uh, the, the I call it the trifecta right I was you know I had chemo uh, I just learned this word I was Chernobyl Chernobyl <laughs> which that's is radiation. Yeah. yeah, but that's my new term I'm going to use. I was Chernobyl um, and surgeries. And I look at that as that was a really difficult situation, but I coped effectively or right. for the most part. And so when we started with the pandemic, right, I had a different perspective than maybe a lot of people did. And that was, I am so glad I'm not being treated for can my cancer right now. Right. And I, I went into a very different place than I think a lot of people did. So I don't know if I'm answering your question at all, but I went to a very different mindset. And that yeah. was more about being grateful mm -hmm. of the timing. I mean, it sounds horrible, but being grateful of the timing of having, you know, having cancer, having multiple surgeries, having my family around me, my friends mm -hmm. around me. And so I more so went to the place of, I can't imagine yeah. have being someone right now who is going to chemo alone. I can't imagine someone who's had a double mastectomy and who's coming out of surgery and there's nobody there. Yeah. So I went to a very different place, I think. And so my thinking was more like, well, this, this isn't, this isn't, this could be worse. Right. right. And I don't think people think that, you know, but once you go through something pretty, I would say pretty, pretty bad, right? Right. You, you think in a different way. So for me, that kind of the isolation, right, that we had, right, of being, you know, looking at Zoom, I was more sad for and worried about, I'll be honest, very worried about my students 
because I felt like going into the pandemic, students were already stressed about their, their lives, their right. jobs, their families, right? So going into this, I was more worried about them. So for me as an instructor, I felt a little bit of a need to check in. So I was doing a lot of check-ins, you know, how are you guys doing? You know, how are things going? How did humor play into that, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I try to use humor, I mean, and, and joke around, but sometimes, I'll be honest, I just really checked in and made sure they were okay. You right. know, are you guys okay? Is everything okay? What resources do you need? Those kinds of things. But do I think that humor, humorous coping was used, is, is used, is being used right now? Absolutely. I mean, look at all the memes. And I would, I had probably dozens of COVID memes in all my lectures. Right. I mean, pretty much all the time. And we, we would try to joke around about it, you know, mm -hmm. but I think you can joke around about it, but you, I also didn't want, I didn't want to dismiss right. the stress that people were having. So I made sure that I said, listen, I'm joking right now and I'm trying to add some levity, but please reach out to me if, right. if um, you need something and if I can connect you with resources. Right. But I do think, yeah, I think that a lot of people really struggled yeah. through and are still struggling yeah. through this. So it's, it's a tough situation. Yeah, um, obviously that's really powerful stuff. And yeah. you know, everybody that we know has obviously struggled somehow through the pandemic yeah. and everything. Yep. So as we run out of time, I have one more question to ask. Sure. So we talked about your studies. And so do you think there is a type of humor, like when it comes to humor studies, that is just underdeveloped? Yes, uh, great question. Can you, go in, can you go in more detail about that? Yes. This is a great question, and I'll tell you why. Because the I'm just going to talk about instructional humor right now. Right. Right. So the instructional the the instructional humor focuses on the professor. What is the professor? What is the instructor saying or doing to you know create humor and increase learning? Right. Increase learning. Increase engagement. Increase attendance. There is almost no focus whatsoever on students. Okay. And so the students are active participants in that, right? right. Like they're laughing at the jokes or not, which believe me, <laughs> <laughs> I face that daily. <laughs> but they're part of this process. So are they laughing? Are they using humor with each other? There's almost no research on the student as the producer, the student as someone who is actively involved and engaged in that process. So I think that, that if I had to focus on an area that's really missing, I would say, in the classroom, looking at student behavior and how they can contribute either positively or negatively. And then, you know, looking at more, like looking more closely at what kind of humor are they using? Right. You know, because I think there's a, a mismatch. Do you know what I mean? I think that yeah. sometimes instructors use humor and we use humor from our era, you know? Yeah. And so there's this like, age it's difference. not as relatable. Right. And the right. students are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What movie yeah. is that? And, you know, and the funny, this happens all the time where like I'll play a movie in class and I'll think, oh, this movie was out five years ago. And it's like from 20 <laughs> years ago, you know, and, you, and the students weren't yep. even born. I mean, they weren't even born. So they're like, we have no idea who this right. is. So I think that more research on the students, and, and how they produce humor, what they appreciate, what kinds of humor they appreciate, 
um, how they use humor to help them learn? Like, is it an individual learning tool? So do you use humorous, like, sayings or um, mnemonics or things like that to help you remember information? Okay. I think that's something that is missing. And it just kind of shows you a little bit that we're little instructor-centric or a little, you know, focused on ourselves, and we should be more focused on, like, we think we're focusing on the students, but we need to ask you guys, all right, what do you do? You know, how mm -hmm. do you use humor? How do you, what kind of humor do you appreciate? yourself personally so okay well really really appreciate you coming out today it was truly an honor to have you here thank you and so we i'll be expecting a yeah. large paycheck uh, <laughs> increase possibly we'll talk to dr Irwin about that one. <laughs> oh, oh i'll talk to dr Irwin. <laughs> well thank you Great. so much you're welcome